Welcome to the manual. It is midweek and we are in the last quarter of our summer. Um, I can't believe it. We're getting ready to go into August. Nice. I hope where you're at, um, things are getting a little bit better. And the weather here in Virginia has been absolutely outrageous for the last, um, and I guess I'm complaining, for the last month or so, we have saw nothing fall, uh, fall short of 90-something degrees at a minimum and 97, 96 with an index of feeling like 101, 102. So it's been great. Um, I enjoy training in the heat, but not this much heat. <laughs> so I hope things kind of get a little bit um, uh, nicer. But again, not complaining because in a few more months, we'll, I will be complaining about how cold it is. And you know, the lack of being able to go outside and sunlight going away, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so let's try to enjoy it. I guess I am complaining, but um, so be it. So today we're going to talk about um, a few things. But first and foremost, I want to address a few questions that I got in. I try to wait till I get a few questions to pull so I can have, um, you know, very many to answer versus having one or two to kind of present. Okay, so we're going to go right into our questions and answers. And again, we're keeping this fitness today. Um, Actually, this week will be fitness. So it says, what do I recommend to do on a light day? Okay, so I actually had this happen um, for me last week. So uh, last Sunday, um, normally Sunday is a a complete rest day for me. I don't do anything on Sundays, um, you know, as far as. Uh, walking or anything like that. So I decided to take a walk this Sunday. Uh, it got brutal. So did a six mile walk, six and a quarter. And in doing so, uh, I kind of gave myself a challenge, but the heat dictated this. So it kind of became a variable that I didn't account for. But nonetheless, I got six and a quarter out. But what I did do uh, in the six and quarter, I it, it was a ruck. I mean, what you guys know is a ruck. Ruck is like you put a uh, some weight on, your body or you put weight into a backpack apparatus, things of that nature and kind of move uh, to that um, cadence. So rucked up, um, was able to keep my heart rate steady, uh, keep my gait steady, keep my pace steady. And I impressed myself. Um, I think I got about 1100 calories burned in just like a little over an hour and 40 minutes um, of doing that because again the heat index was in the mid 90s so uh over the course of the week um which was monday to sunday the week prior um i ended up walking 50 miles i couldn't believe in myself i was like wow i walked 50 miles um you know average you know um these miles per day and in doing so, um, I learned something about steps and stuff like that. So 109,000 was, I think, the output of exactly how many steps I took uh, over the course of that week. And again, this is all encompassing not only, um, you know, walking outside or doing your exercise time, but it's also walking around your house, walking to, in grocery stores, walking in your neighborhood, you know, walking the dog, whatever. So it's uh, the point I'm trying to make is to be active, to be moving uh, have your body move at least every hour on the hour. Just get up and, and move if you're home. Uh, if you're able to go outside for some air, if you're working from home, just go outside, get some air, walk around a little bit. You know, try to get um, most of the time with the Fitbits and the Apple Watch. Uh, I think if you set your goal at some minimum uh, of 5,000 to 10,000 steps, it's basically 200 steps per hour um, you try to get in. So, 
you know, try to have something to track it to remind you um, that you need to move your body a little bit um, to get at least a minimum of 10,000 steps a day. Um, some some people may want to do 5,000, but 10,000 10, is where I have my set. Prior to all of this, I, I would set my goal at like 20,000, 25,000 and try to see if I can get to that at some point. But um, I'd have my shutoff now at 10 o'clock, I believe. So at the moment I get up around 6, 6.30, um, the walking kind of starts and it shuts off at about 10 o'clock. So wherever I end up at 10 p.m. is it's it's where I'm at. I'm done with that. So uh, to answer this person's question, uh, you can do a lot of things. You can, you know, it's summertime. You can go swimming. Uh, if you're able to get to a pool, you can go for a bike ride. Um, you can go for a walk um, or a run. You don't have to necessarily touch weights. Uh, it's the kind of the point of a rest day is that you're doing something activity-wise, but um, my suggestion is making it fun, making it something that doesn't feel like it's exercise, doesn't feel like you know, a workout, but it's, it's more like a leisurely thing to kind of um, get yourself ready for your next week. So uh, my rest day happens to be on a Sunday, um, but you know, yours may be a Thursday, a Friday, or Tuesday, you know, whatever day you pick in the spectrum of days that we have. Okay, next question. How do I know if I've overtrained or if it's just uh, plateauing? Um, few things about overtraining. Um, so your body, as I mentioned before, your body will kind of give you indications that um, you're doing too much. Um, one of those indications is pain. So acute pain, which you guys know is pain all the time, steady. It's kind of going. And every time you pick up something or you go to do something, even when you're not picking up a load or whatever, you, you feel hurt. It's, it's hurting. Uh, that's kind of barring on you injured something versus DOMS. Um, DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness, uh, which some people get a day or two after or maybe a few hours after working out. That's pretty normal. But if you're getting acute pain, acute as in A-C-U-T-E, then you may need to see a doctor or something to that extent because you shouldn't be having acute pain all the time. Now, chronic pain is something that you have all the time, but it's not always in acute status. It's just kind of like a nagging injury. Most people who have played sports are familiar with this kind of pain. Uh, and some people who are um, who have been injured um, from something, car accident, a fall, a fight, something like that, they'll they'll have chronic pain um, in their life at some point. So the thing about chronic pain is that um, if you're not, you know, going to medicate it, um, you can still do corrective exercises. So uh, I advocate for everyone when working out to do corrective exercises and what corrective exercises are, are things to kind of restore something that you've lost. For instance, um, I had a shoulder, my right shoulder prior to COVID. Uh, I don't know when I did this. It might've been last summer. I think I was doing landmine presses or something like that. I'm thinking that's the corporate landmine presses. And I somehow, uh, put the shoulder out of whack. It wasn't acute pain, but it be ended up becoming chronic. And I had a, a good friend and trainer at the facility I work at help me out by taping it, putting on, you know, the, um, uh, the K2 tape to help it out. Um, he examined it. He's a doctor of DPT. So he examined it to make sure that there was, uh, no dislocations or anything like that. Um, but it didn't help that I was sleeping also on that side a lot. So it kind of like gave me a frozen shoulder, so to speak, when I woke up, which is a, actually a, a syndrome and, and uh, something that is, is real. So 
the only thing he told me um, other than, you know, if I want to go get it looked at was to rest it. And that is something very hard for me to do as a person because not only because I like being in the gym, but it's also I have to do things in the real world. I have to carry groceries. I have to, you know, carry equipment in and out of the car um, or, you know, in the gym, I have to carry equipment around. So I'm constantly working these muscles. I'm constantly working my shoulders. So it's very hard to not be able to do that. Um, but lo and behold, during the, the time away from the gym, uh, let's call it four months, um, still working out, but I wasn't doing the things that I would normally have to do. So the shoulder kind of, uh, I hate to use the word healed itself, but it, it, it righted itself. I did the exercises that he, he, that he prescribed. I also did some cars on it. Um, and then now before I, I work out doing anything, um, in that regard, um, I'll prime my shoulder, uh, for that type of movement and I'll try to move it in 3d versus, uh, you know, frontwards, upwards, whatever. I try to move it in every possible direction, trying to give some ROM back to it. Um, I noticed that as I got older, as I get older, that my range of motion is limited because I don't do a lot of the exercises, corrective exercises that I should uh, to make sure that I, I do have some limber. Okay, so um, overtraining, your body will tell you. You will feel uh, a certain way. You should feel a certain way is what I should say where you're like, huh, I feel, I feel weird. And one thing to test it is just, you know, just scale back what you're doing or take a week off. I know it sounds crazy, but take a week off and see how you feel and then try to get back in. So, you know, try to monitor as best as you can. Now, plateauing is basically what it is. Um, if you're, I'll use weights for an example. So they call weights and bands modalities. So if you're, if you change something in your normal approach to lifting, um, you'll get like a response. But if you're doing the same weight, let's say you're doing 15 pounds um, for shoulder presses or something like that. And you've been doing this now for like nine or 10 weeks. Eventually your body will make this very easy for you. It says, hey, um, whatever benefit you're trying to get from this, it's no longer gonna have the effect or the same effect because this weight is too light for us. We need to progressively overload. And pro what progressive overloading is, is adding more, either more weight or more uh, reps. So you're changing something in that uh, regard to basically give the body a chance to adapt. The body is the the greatest recorder of anything that you'll ever have in your life, okay? You learn by patterns, you learn by movement. Um, you can train yourself to, to do things a certain way. Uh, strength comes with adaptation, but also it comes with repetition and it comes with um, how the body's going to respond to that stimulus. So in a nutshell, if you feel like you've plateaued, you'll notice by that you're not getting the same gains from what you used to do. So you need to change it up. I I'm an advocate for bands and free weights um, interchangeably because, uh, you know, no one lives on one diet alone so no one should live by one set of working out modality wise alone so i again it's just a it's just a recommendation um as a trainer and also a recommendation as somebody who works out to change up what you're doing every few weeks to give your, your body a chance to adapt to something new one of the things that we neglect in training is um and i believe is is the um uh body weight scenario um we 
you know, do push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. But there's also ways, other ways of doing body weight. Uh, there's Animal Flow. Uh, if you guys have never heard of Animal Flow, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, you can basically uh, look this up on, on YouTube and learn a couple of the movements and then eventually uh, progress through um, a continuum of doing those things. Okay, so let's move right on to the next question. Uh, walking versus running. Um, mentioned this a few times. Uh, either one is fine um, if you have the capacity for it. Uh, if you are someone looking to lose a lot of weight and you are um, heavy, so to speak, um, I would recommend walking for now versus running because um, you want to give yourself uh, time to to use to lose that weight naturally to also make it safe for you to not have an accident like fall down or pull something um because you're carrying a lot of uh, weight on your body so you definitely want to be able to to do that now the other part of it is running um set targets for your running so whether you feel like you can run five miles this week um or or per day uh increase it gradually as you feel fit um, if you are exerting too much, then you can definitely scale it back. Uh, you guys have heard me mention scaling exercising. Um, that is a thing. So you can always make adjustments to your plan. Make your plan. Don't make your nothing is foolproof or bulletproof. Make your plan be able to be um, scaled up and down as needed. OK, so walking versus running. It's really up to the individual. And I suggest starting out with unless you're heavy and trying to lose weight, starting out with the immediate um, medium range runs and then eventually uh, challenge yourself to go a little further okay working out with these elevation masks um, I've seen them in the park um, things like that okay so I actually own one of these elevation it's actually called the elevation mask and what it is for those not familiar it's a uh, it's a mask that has um, nodules on the front of it and you are able to change the uh, air the air um not qualities sorry change the air so the altitude and i think the base setting on most of these masks is about 3000 feet elevation and then the highest it can go is to about um i've seen some go 9 to 12 i, I believe mine's goes to 9000 feet now with this um i have to give a a caution warning know your aerobic capacity before using these type of uh, training tools. Reason being is that if you're running with this mask and you're running at 3,000 feet, that's like running somewhere like in the mountains, somewhere in Colorado, somewhere upstate New York, somewhere where there's elevation and you immediately will feel the, the pressure on your body. When you get to, uh, you know, 8,000, 9,000 feet, maybe even 12,000 feet, running becomes almost impossible in, in the regards, people do it because they're conditioned to do it. But the regular population is who I'm talking to. One of the things about about this is that even walking at 12,000 feet, you you feel like a elephant is in your backpack. You feel that you feel that in every part of your body because your lungs are trying to propel you, and the blood in your body is doing everything to fuel your extremities to make you move. It is a way I've seen people lifting them. I used to lift in it, but then I stopped um, and I would do boxing or sparring or mitt work with with it on. But the mitt work, I wouldn't do three minutes. I would do a minute. 
a minute on, minute off, minute on, minute off to kind of get that um, that function for myself. So um, I do err on caution. I am not against this type of training, but I am definitely um, I know the the dangers of it, especially if you're by yourself training. If you're out for a run with this mask on and you and you feel you don't feel well, take it off because uh, you, you could be headed for a bad situation. So definitely, definitely, definitely do your due diligence before you purchase or start utilizing this as part of your training. OK, boot camps. Um, OK, what are you asking? Boot camps. Oh, OK. Boot camps as an auxiliary workout during the week. OK, so. Um, if you have a schedule where you're, you're working out four or five days a week, it doesn't hurt to add a boot camp day, which is pretty much circuit training for the most part is what boot camps are. Um, most boot camps are something, you know, a little bit more than that. Orange theory to me is kind of, and I might be wrong, but it's kind of like a boot campish type thing because you have some certain days and certain exercises that are power um, that are for endurance um, and things of that nature. So boot camps can be designed for different reasons. It could be circuit training where you're, you're doing a hit situation or you're focusing on supersets. So it, it's up to you or what kind of boot camp you want to do. Um, you don't have to join one. You can get a couple of your own friends and you guys. Um, it's great when everyone's a different fitness level because the pushing is kind of on everybody you know one person might be in the group that, that's the alpha and then you know they're pushing everybody along things of that nature but again as in every exercise you know know your limits know what you can do what you can't do you know don't go out there trying to be a cowboy when you're not okay so yeah adding a boot camp is not it's not a bad idea it's a good change up and change of pace from just regular lifting okay so getting right along next question how do you apply? Okay. How do you apply weight loss during this time uh, in the shutdown? Okay. So I've mentioned um, this before. And um, if this person is listening, if you can um, get to me offline, we can talk a little bit more because uh, I don't know if your questions, you know, your question is what do you do for weight loss or how do you manage weight loss being home? Um, but it's something that I've been talking about for the last four months. So it's hard for me to dive into exactly what you're what you're asking me here but and i don't want to speculate so i'm assuming that you want to know how to go about weight loss how to prep for it how to plan for it and what and what you want to do so um so yeah if you can get at me offline we can definitely talk about that okay uh cleansing intermittent fasting you've mentioned okay so here we go i do intermittent fasting um a lot of people do something um, I found this to help me um, in the past and it helps me now. Um, I do the 16 to 8. I tried the 18 and 6 and that was actually brutal. It's hard to tell you that an extra two hours would have been easy to do. But I guess my body got conditioned so so much to eat around 1.30 because I stop at 9.30. 1.30 is when I resume um, eating. And then I have to window until 9.30 for eight hours. And I, I struggled. I struggled really, really bad. Um, I've been trying to gear myself up, talking to a client friend that just started this. Uh, not because of me. They started it because they asked me what I thought of it. I gave them my, my opinion as a... Uh, person that does it and also gave my my opinion as a trainer i try to always give two 
um, I, two sides of it, basically. And um, it's worked for me. I just tell people that to if you have if you're someone who uh, doesn't deal well with hunger or you don't if your um, uh, glucose levels drop, you know, you may have some issue doing it. So I would say the, the way around it is to pick times where you know that you can um, start eating early. So if you're going to be somebody who doesn't do well in the morning uh, without eating, I suggest that your cutoff be, you know, roughly 6.30, 7.30 in the evening. So that way, um, the next day, you're only a couple of hours out from eating when you wake up. And that's the biggest thing or takeaway I can give you from intermittent fasting. You have to learn uh, how you do your 16 and 8. It doesn't have to be 9.30 to 1.30 or 8.30 to 12.30. It has to be a time where you can do it. The trick is, and I guess the takeaway as well, is that there's the part of these 16, there's eight hours that you're going to be sleeping if you sleep eight hours. And if you sleep more than eight hours, you're ahead of that. Okay, so at least for eight hours, you don't have to worry about dealing with eating because you're going to be sleeping it off, which is burning a lot of calories anyway. Okay, so and then cleansing is something that uh, if you've never done it before, I suggest um, doing some reading and due diligence to see what works for you, because there's different types of cleanses out there. Um, I, I do two a year. One is a. Uh, like more like a juice cleanse, juice and vegetables um, for seven days. Um, and then the other one is a more of a detoxification, which um, I use um, stuff that I get from. There was, a, there was a brand called Michael's. I don't think they sell it anymore. But it, it helped with the bloodstream, kidneys and organs and things of that nature. Um, lots of water and things, and things with, that goes with that. But I try to do one of those um, as well a year uh, with kind of resetting all, all the things that go on. But inter- intermittent fasting has benefits of resetting your metabolic situation. So I suggest, again, before you start any kind of fast, that you do your due diligence. All of this comes with doing due diligence to see what works for you. There's, na- there's no one size fits all in these scenarios. Okay. Uh, last two questions. Um, virtual training versus apps for fitness training. Okay, so here's the biggest difference for me with virtual training. I conduct virtual training as a trainer because that's what the business is now um, has as a component. Um, If it didn't have it before, I am now one of those trainers who um, has had a few months now to train people virtually. And every every session seems to be getting better and better. Um, I never thought of it as something that I can engage with people on because I'm a hands on person, but it seems effective and it's working. And, you know, I've had a good time with it uh, versus the app. So the apps basically is a preloaded workout. Somebody's you know recorded it and you're doing it based on what they're showing you and what they're telling you with a first with a virtual trainer. He or she is basically looking at you in a three dimensional way. You know, if I have someone doing um let's say straight leg deadlifts, I'll have them turn to the side so I can see their form. Although I'm not in the room with them, I can still see them and says, hey, you know, knees are bent slightly a little bit. I want you to, you know, unbend your knees or whatever it is. And I can coach them through doing this. Um, So virtual training 
it's uh, depending on who you get. Um, prices may vary because of your goals, but you know, pick something that you can afford. Pick something that is fun, uh, trainers that are fun, and you know, try to have a good time with it and be open minded. Because again, if you are somebody who needs a lot of coaching, it may or may not be for you. But if you enjoy working out, um, it's definitely the most social distance way you can work out right now um, and get a great thing going. And with the advent of Zoom. And all these other um, apps that we have now available for communication, you can actually get some of your friends involved and you can run these virtual boot camps um, with a trainer. So your trainer, um, I usually um, give a discount if it's one person, we pay one price. But if it's if they have three other friends that want to join us, then I'll lower the price um, for the group so that everyone can enjoy and everyone can participate. Okay, so that's my my only difference between that. Um, the app can't tell you if you're if you're out of whack or your form looks um, looks bad or you know if you're exerting too much and tells you to stop for a second. Um, with a virtual trainer, he or she can tell you exactly what's going on. And the last one, last question is just a, it's a thank you. Um, it's a thank you from one of my longtime listeners since I've been on. And they're saying that um, this podcast, plus some others that they're enjoying, has been beneficial and helpful with them during this time. Because uh, like many, like many of you, some of you are um, still working. Some of you still working from home. Some of you live by yourselves. And when I say by yourself, meaning there's no other person in the house but you. So obviously TV is, is a friend. Gaming is a friend. Uh, we have communications now. Again, you can video call anybody on the planet uh, with, with, with Wi-Fi. But uh, the human contact, the human uh, thing is what's kind of being lost in all of this. And I understand from a, from a standpoint of, you know, if, you, if you're by yourself, um, it is taking an emotional toll on you. It is taking... Um, you know, a lot to just come home to an empty place or be in an empty place all day. So isolation is something that is real. Um, I've had some mental health people come on to talk about this and I'll have some more come in since we're still facing a lot of this. So hang in there and thank you for listening and thank you for entrusting me um, to come into your life to, you know, offer some suggestions and recommendations on things that you can do in certain aspects of your life. Again, I'm, I am no expert. I am no person, um, you know, of that, but I, I'm a real person and I have, you know, similar things go on that everyone else does. So I can relate, um, on some level. And I do thank you guys for doing that. You know, it, it, it doesn't take long for me to get up and, you know, make a recording, but it does. When I do it, I think about the one person I may reach today who needs to hear something or, um, they're going to send me a question that I need to hear, that I need to understand, I need to focus on. So thank you for <laughs> for you know acknowledging that and thank you for listening. And I hope that you know we can keep this kind of going. Okay, so I'm going to keep this one brief. Uh, I just want to talk about quickly uh, things that you can do to help someone else. Uh, in this time, uh, we all have people that we know, whether they're friends or family members, um, that we can assist in some kind of way. Um, I was told a while ago, when someone asks you how you're doing, it's not a it's not a formality. It's not a 
uh, 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 you know, hey, how you doing? It's like, hey, how are you doing? How is, you know, how are things going for you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Okay. With our elderly population, grandmothers, grandfathers, maybe aunts and uncles who are a little older. Um, if you live in the same city, fortunate to live in the same city, try to help them. Try to see what they need. Go out for them, especially if you're younger. Um, you know, of course, social distance and, and wear your mask, but try to help someone who really can't do uh, the normal things that we were able to do, because believe it or not, we're not. This is not going to just magically disappear. You know, a year from now, we may be in a totally different space. But as of right now, I mean, the way things are looking just month to month, um, I don't see a, a total turnaround, you know, by the fall. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. And of course, you know, I've 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 written off summer. I've totally said summer is over because there's no traveling to be done. There's no really fun, fun things other than working out to be done. I'm hoping to go play some paintball, which is socially distant. But other than that, you know, I don't think summer, you know, has been enjoyable for a lot of people unless you're, you know, you're out and about and things are lifted where you are. But, you know, I'm hoping we have holidays. I'm hoping we have a fall. But again, we're heading into August now. Um I've been home since March 16th. It's been it's been incredible. So um, I want you to be able to help someone that can't help themselves, you know, check on check in and check on people and see how they're doing. You know, talk to friends that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, Engage with somebody. Um, One of the fun things that um, one of my clients said that they do every Friday is they have. Um, some kind of family game night. Um, and what they do is they, they'll play games that people can play together. So they'll, they'll zoom in on a call and they'll play Pictionary, you know, or they'll play Scrabble or something like that. Or even if they're on an electronic platform, they can actually game like, you know, on a console or a PC. All right. You know, it's, it, life didn't end. It just slowed down. It just slowed down considerably. Life did not end. It just slowed down. And we have to understand that, you know, we make the best of what we can, when we can, with what we can. We've all adapted to get into the grocery store at a certain time. We've all adapted uh, to not having to use our cars that much. We've all adapted to working out in the most bizarre ways that we can, trying to get the, the best of it. We've all eaten and gorged. We've all fasted. We've all did a lot of things. Um, but the one thing that I don't think that we do enough of is inform others that we are thinking about them and that we are, you know, in their thoughts. Okay, so definitely, definitely, definitely look out for each other. You are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. Okay. Thank you for choosing the manual, and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace. Good evening, sir. Hey, how you doing? I am good, brother. How you doing? Good. How's my how's my volume and all and all that stuff? Sounds great, man. Sounds great. So, um, it's pretty pretty much easy how to do this. Um, it's pretty organic. So we're gonna gonna talk. I was gonna have a buddy join us if that's okay. Yeah, sure. All right. So give me one second to get patched patched him in. Uh, what's his name and who is he a fan of? 
he's a, he's a Pats fan, and and you know that <laughs> who he is. Okay, it's, it's my boy Matt. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, how you doing today? Oh, stressed. Stressed. Oh. Yeah. This, not not good. I mean, the pandemic stuff and. It's yeah, just... it's been it's been six. I can't believe it's been six months. It's just unrelenting at this point. Yeah. it's just crazy. So we can actually start and he'll patch in. Okay. Um, obviously, um, you know, football season is upon us, and that's what we're going to talk about today, for the most part, to kind of get our minds off of what's going on in the real world. So, you know, feel free to kind of like you know speak your mind on 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 this. I'm mean, like you're good football guy to talk to. Um, your thoughts on the game last night in a around-the-world type of thing? How did you feel about the game? Well, uh, the game itself was kind of boring, to be honest, uh, which is what I expected. I mean, uh, as we'll talk about, I don't think the Texans are that good, and I think their coach is even worse. So I wasn't shocked that the Chiefs just sort of steamrolled them. But I also thought the game was a bit overshadowed by the booing of the moment of unity at the start of it. Um, yeah. So I was a little grumpy about the game even before the game happened. Um, yeah. But the game itself, I mean, the Chiefs are just excellent. It's unfair that they got, you know, Brian Westbrook 2.0 in the draft, but it is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That, that kid, was he LSU's uh, running back? Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah. I thought, I thought I, I, he looked familiar or something about him. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I just had a, a recording on another podcast and I talked about what we just kind of mentioned um part of it to be honest with you i i didn't watch the game in its entirety because once the score started to kind of go up and there was no kind of comeback really happening i you know i was channel surfing at the third fourth quarter ish but you're right when um when everything becomes political it becomes problematic for me because i don't i have an arena for everything i'm kind of like i carp I kind of put everything in, in its place. So I would never invite dinner guests over to have a meal and have some enjoyment and talk about my marriage or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> we just, you know, like, Oh, what's, what's wrong? You know, like we're not here for that. We're, we're here to have a good time, have some laughs, you know, toss them back, that kind of thing. So that's how I look at it. I was like, if they had done nothing, it would have been another conversation today. Oh, these guys are just not, they're tone deaf. They right. is business as usual, whatever. And you know, but again, I can't fault the fans for not being into that because it's an inundation of this happened. Like this conversation is not brand new. We've been having this conversation for the last two hundred years about inequality and justice, and all that. I mean, it's on the forefront now. I get it, but it was on the forefront in the sixties as well. <laughs> so, I, so I don't think that for the people booing last night, this conversation has been at the forefront of their mind ever. And that's why they're booing. Um, you know, I think that there was it wasn't a protest. There was no flag. There was no anthem. It was literally a standalone moment of unity in the pregame festivities. Um, well, well, that, well, that was after that was after one team stood for one song and didn't for the other, and then one team didn't come out for either song. So it that kind of got a little weird for me. I'm like, okay, so what are we doing here? Well, either way, but the thing is that if the, if the people who are booing keep booing, and we might be spared because there won't be crowds anywhere but Kansas City and Jacksonville this year. In Jacksonville, yeah. Um, if they keep doing and booing like that, 
like what happens if Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are like, you know what, screw these people booing us. We're not playing. Yeah. Right. We're not playing until all these fans are out of here. Well, no. okay. So you make a good point because that's what that's what kind of the booing was, was that it was I think it was noted that um Patty Mahomes and and, and Watson collaborated on this what to do and they came up with just like let's just stand mm-hmm. an arm which was which was fine it wasn't a kneel down it was a standing locked arms i mean i mean come on <laughs> we lock arms in sports all the time right you know but um yeah so to, to your point those people probably have not had to deal with a lot of this stuff so that's fair and number two um i think that when you purchase a ticket to a game or any any sporting event or anything, you're there for what it's supposed to be. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm against something or for something. I'm, I'm kind of like, there's there's like well for me, there's arenas for everything. There's a time and place for everything. And again, we know what's going on in society. We know what's going on in the world. And this has just kind of been another thing because if they didn't do anything. I'm, I guarantee you, we'll be having another conversation today. Oh yeah, about- and it would it would not be it would not be good either for for especially for Mahomes and and Deshaun Watson. However, who just got paid a shit ton of money on top of that? They're like, oh, you guys are ungrateful. We just paid you, and you're not going to play now. Well, the thing is, is that the the NFL players they have the most leverage out of any of these any of these professional athletes, and. If the black quarterbacks, I mean, if Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson say we are not playing until they pass the George Floyd uh, fixing policing bill or whatever it's called, I mean, mm-hmm. w- w- what's going to happen? That's the that's the that's it. So I really think that the people who are booing, the people who don't like it, need to understand that they don't have the leverage here. The fans don't have the leverage here. The players do. The players are the ones that. That are that's the product, yeah. Um, and keep booing him, keep booing Deshaun Watson, and you know, watch what he does. (laughs) It, it, yeah, it's 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 mind it's mind blowing. I mean, my my true barometer for what's going to happen with this season for me, speaking for me, because again, um, as I as I spoke to with with Matt about this, when it when football season comes around, it's different from other sports for me because it kind of after the Super Bowl, there's a lull, and then we have the draft. You kind of see what your team is going to get. You know any any free agent acquisitions. There's there's uh, training camp, and then there's preseason. Some people don't like pre. I like preseason for you know to see what gems we may have to give a guy a chance. I I, I don't agree with that many games, like four four or five games for preseason. I think it should be three games, and that's it. And then football starts, and I have not been in the mindset. I have not been pumped at all for any of this. Um, and we had some big moves this season. We had Tom Brady go to the Pats. We had, I'm sorry, uh, lead the Pats and go to the Bucks, And then we had Cam go to the Pats. And, you know, there's some storylines there. But I'm like, I'm not even excited about seeing any of this shit because I don't know about you. I like the crowd interactions. I like the fandom, what goes on. And, you know, if it's, if it's fourth and one and, you know, it's a goal line stance and the crowd's at a fever pitch, that all plays into the, the whole thing. Now imagine college football, which is ten times that not happening. <laughs> you know, could you imagine? I mean, you're a Michigan big blue guy. Could you imagine that stadium just empty? Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And the reason I can imagine it empty is that I've been there for other events that are not so well attended, and it's weird, and it would be weird uh, as well to see Michigan playing in an empty stadium. But you've said two things now that clue me into something. So number one, you said you didn't finish the game because there was no comeback possible for the Texans, which is true, and that you haven't been like as up on what's going on or like feeling as close to it because of the lack of preseason and everything's been sort of weird and different, which is also true. But that yeah. clues me in to the fact that you do not have money on these games. No, no, uh, I, I, I am a, I'm a, I'm a fan duel guy for those listening, but I, I don't wager like any big shark. I am, I'm probably a guppy. Right. So I had, I had uh max entered a tournament on DraftKings last night where I had Wolf Fuller as my captain in a few spots so for me, the end of the game was very important as Will Fuller's catching all these garbage passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a way to sort of, if if you or the listeners are feeling disconnected, you reconnect real quick. You got a couple dollars on the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I just see, um, I come from a region of the country where uh, the, the Meadowlands, excuse me, I got a sneeze, the Meadowlands and if anyone's been to a Giants or Jets game, which why would you? But if you've been to a Giants and Jets game, that's the atmosphere that is electric. I mean, the tailgating that goes on, I think other than watching Bill's Mafia guys throw each other two tables is probably the most entertaining thing that you can see. But when we go to those games, it's it's about, you know, talking shit, being outside, it's football, it's middle of fall, whatever. Giant Stadium is going to be empty. Well, MetLife it's going to be empty this year, completely empty. And I'm like, are they going to are they going to pump crowd noise in like to give these guys a sense of like, you know, if it's a fourth and one or if it's a third and sixth or whatever? Like, what's you know what's happening? Are you going to hear the word defense yelled over these these sound systems? That's kind of weird to see. But again, we're going to adjust to it because we have had nothing like it. We have no, we have had nothing prior to it, so we're gonna adjust to it. So, we're just gonna have to. Yeah. So connecting that to the earlier part of the conversation, um, uh, I'm a fan of European soccer um, as well, and over there, it's not at all uncommon to have games played in empty stadiums because that's one of the punishments. Whenever a fan yells a racial slur at a player, the leagues come down and say no fans for five games. Oh, wow. So it's not as uncommon over there to see the, to see the empty stadium. So it will be different. It will be strange. Um, but like even watching the game last night, there wasn't that much crowd noise because only 20% of the people in there, but it didn't, it didn't really impact anything. I don't think the NBA bubble it's been that impacted. Um, there are moments that would have been great if that, uh, OG and Anobi shot had been made in Toronto with a full stadium and be insane, but I don't think it takes yeah. away from the, from being able to enjoy the sports as a as a person watching on watching on TV. Well, so I'm glad you said that. So from from the from the camera angle, um, the NBA and NHL, I've watched a couple games where after a while it didn't really matter to me because the way the camera focused on the court, mm-hmm. you kind of saw like the bench line and and like the you know the front row and then just the court and then you know you saw like but in football you pan out a lot because guys are throwing, you know, balls down the field. Yeah. And you, and you see that, you know, so that's, that's where I think the NFL, because in major baseball, that's what you see. If a home run is cracked, you just look up and see no one. And I'm like, wow, 
you know, that looks like a practice going on. It's weird. But again, the commentating was uh, pretty good enough to keep me focused for the first, you know, two halves. I mean, I'm sorry, the first two quarters. But then I was like, wait a minute. Like, okay, all right. Now they're getting stomped out. So I'm done here. But again, you know, I, I just wanted your opinion on does you does the crowd or that whole pageantry for college football, I know you're a big college football guy as well. Like, does that even matter? And the fact that, I guess my real question is, is if someone's crowned a champion, is, are they true champion in your eyes because they didn't, they didn't play an entire, you know, they only picked their conference or whatever? Like, how do you feel about that? So I think to answer the second question first, I think that whoever is crowned national champion after this fall season, whatever it is, whatever. is played, is the national is is the national champion and that's fine. I'm also okay with that because Ohio State can't win it, so I'm okay with it just, <laughs> just going right into it. Like it's just one thing they don't get that's great for. Um, <laughs> so that's so that's that's wonderful. As far as your first question about the the pageantry and whatever for the crowds of college football, I mean obviously that's what makes college football so special. You know, it's so tribal and you love your school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. dunk on your rival whenever you can, even though it's hard for me now. Um, yeah. Uh, however, honestly, nobody should be playing college football at all. Yeah, I agree with that. So I agree with that. So I'm not as worried about there being no crowd. I'm more worried about some unpaid 20-year-old kid dropping dead for Clemson in the middle of a game. That's what it's going to take, man. That's what it's going to take. Unfortunately, that's what it's going to take is for – for you know someone and again you couldn't sell me on the lasting effects um because um a 300 pound lineman is still you right. know it's still 300 pounds right you know and 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 if we're getting the information on the science about how this thing affects somebody who is morbidly obese although this is a world-class athlete um the fact that they can be lasting effects if i'm a guy that's in my junior year or my senior year i'm opting out for the draft i'm just gonna like hey if if i'm a top prospect i'm not playing i'm gonna go i'm gonna you know and i sound selfish for saying that but i'm like i've built up enough resume and equity to know that hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go in the first round or second round i'm out of here it's not selfish at all i mean what do people go to college for it's to get a job (laughs) like yeah you know if you think you can get a job without your senior year of college and absolutely go ahead go ahead and do it um, now there is, there has been a, uh, advancement in testing that is very encouraging that the pro sports leagues are doing. It's a rapid antigen test. It gets a response or a result in about 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do that test every day and including before game days and everybody you're playing against can do it, theoretically, you can really, really minimize your risk, uh, you know, you can reopen up, you know, if every single American had access to that test every single day, we could just reopen like normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was like, I was like, I, th- I think the, the knock is, is that sports teams have um, access to things that civilians do not. Sure, but that's because sports teams, you know, or sports leagues, it's up to Roger Goodell and Adam Silver to take care of it. For the rest of us, it's up to Donald Trump. So yeah. sports leagues are taken yeah. care of. Yeah. Um, but... The uh, um, the point I was trying to make was that with these changes in testing, that could make it okay to have college football and college basketball and all the rest of it. However, it's still awful to have college sports if like there's no students on campus. 
like yeah i mean i mean but then but like like oh we can't have students at rutgers but we're gonna play we're gonna play football it just it's a bad look it it shows you're exposing the players to risk even if you think you can mitigate it really well with the new test i i just think it's awful i don't think they should be playing yeah well i'm gonna say cap with you it should be either all all or in either you're all in or you're all out you know like it's unfair for I know you you hate Ohio State, <laughs> but for them not to be playing, but every high school damn there in the state is playing. Yes, and the other the other two schools, <laughs> two colleges in Ohio are, are playing football. So it's kind of like okay, explain to me why 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 we aren't playing them. You know, that's kind of a, a hard pill to swallow. But I agree with your first statement about that with one hundred and ninety three thousand dead. You know, we're approaching one ninety three dead. And we have, you know, worldwide almost almost 30 million cases. And, you know, we're at 6.5, almost 6.5 here now. I mean, as selfish as, as having sports is, I don't want to see a kid die, whether on the field or two weeks after they played a, a football game that I enjoyed. I don't, I don't want to have to sit there and be like, wow, I mean, this kid I did not have to die. I don't want to see anybody die by and large. Um, yeah. But the the risk for NFL players, you know, they can take that risk for themselves because they're yeah. for their jobs. The problem is that the college kids exist in this gray zone where they also want to do their jobs, but nobody will define their job as a job. Yeah. And so then yeah, like that's a great point. Like, so they can't bubble. Point. Like the Big Ten could just bubble in two cities. They could just bubble in Detroit, bubble in Chicago and be done with it, especially for basketball. But in order to do that, you're basically admitting that the players are employees and they won't. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're the second person that kind of, and you actually made the point better than that person did that said that, that, that you could do the bubble situation that we did in the NBA with, with college, um, college basketball um, as well as college football. If you pick a stadium, everyone, you know, plays a home and an away game in the stadium, yep. same stadium, you know, and, you know, that wouldn't be so bad, but because of the travel, it opens it opens a lot because you're traveling to hot spots, in and out of hot spots. And again, you gotta after the season's over, you gotta go home to, you know, grandma and grandpa, and whoever else. And was that worth it? Like I've I just kind of wrap my head around. I'm like, man, you know, if if we have a national stance on stuff on something, it should be all in or all out. Like let's not leave it up to each county, each school, each each league each uh, conference, like, it's crazy because, again, I don't – I'm in a different school of thought about a national champion when I have problems with how these schools play each other before COVID, where back in the day the computer picked it and then they, now there's a conference that does it of uh, – well, I'm sorry, a committee where, you know, certain schools never play certain schools because, you know, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, if I'm U.S. – what is it? Uh, the Bulls? USF, USF? yeah, Florida. yeah. So remember that year Alabama was crowned yep. and they weren't. It's like if you're that school, you're like, hey, you guys didn't beat us. Like, you know, get out of here. Like, you 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 guys won a, a championship, but you didn't go through everyone. And I I'm a true sports because I played sports. I'm a true sports person. Where, you know, I'm the guy. If if, if I'm a boxer, I want to box everyone in my era to say, hey, I beat the best guys at the best time. I don't want to be the guy when he's old. I want to be the guy in his prime. I want to be the guy when they're on all four cylinders, no one's hurt, and let's and, and let's go. 
You know, some people don't care. They say, well, if you're wounded, we're still going to attack you. I'm like, ah, I want you at full strength. So, again, if they crown a champion, great. But I'm like, did you guys really beat everybody <laughs> to get this? So, yeah, so I actually have the complete opposite view. Being a, being a college football person, first and foremost, uh-huh. college football and their champions are always subjective. Even now in the playoff era, the four teams that are chosen to compete are subjective. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's always some opinion that goes that goes into it. And since it's 130 teams at the top level, of course, not everybody can play everybody in the season or in a playoff or whatever. You know, part of what makes college football great is that it's absolutely insane. And uh, the year you're referencing with Alabama, it was UCF, Central Florida, um, with the Seahawks guy with one hand, uh, Shaquem Griffin was on that team. Um, that didn't that that was left out. But the thing is, is that UCF doesn't play anybody ever, so they're never gonna they're never gonna get a chance to get in. And that was back to this year. Every year going into the season, there's only like 14 teams that are ever actually considered to to win the national championship before the season even starts. So this year that's down to what nine? Because you lose Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, you know, Washington, they're out. So it's the other ones are left. And so it's the same, it's the same as always. Like so Ohio State's not in it. I mean it's college football. It's fine. They'll just keep they'll just keep going. However, the NFL, when the entire wide receiver room for Atlanta Falcons goes down with COVID and they're you know, signing Tavon Austin off the street to replace Julio Jones. Now it's a competitive problem. And I think in the NFL, that's a much bigger issue when you have a competitive thing because it's not subjective. Like the team that wins the Super Bowl deserves to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I think the NFL actually has a much bigger issue surrounding competitiveness and is the Super Bowl champion legit and whatever at the end of this year than college football does. Because college football is insane every year. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, there's so many schools, obviously, there's so many conferences um, to note. And sometimes you have an upset where some team comes out of nowhere and beats some other team. So I get it. And that's before COVID where, again, we have the computer picking it. Then we have the committee now, whatever it is going on. And again, yes, the four teams, you are absolutely right. The four teams that are picked, we're like, what? You know, like, because we, we we can find at least one of those teams. I'm like, they don't belong there, you know, because they lost to this this team or whatever and you know it becomes like a, a thing but yeah with the nfl i think you have another good point about um i i just kind of like don't see the entire season unfolding the way it is um if we're and again this is based on what we're getting from the scientific community about you know flu season mixed in with covid and all this other shit so i kind of understand i kind of understand like if they have to shut things down at some point but you know why would two state? Why would they sign on to have two only two teams out of the thirty-two to have fans? Uh, that's up to the local jurisdiction. That's because the governors of Missouri and Florida are. And I want to be very charitable here. They are probably two of the three dumbest governors in the country. <laughs> oh, the Florida guy for sure. Ryan DeSantis is for sure. I would not trust that guy. Like Ian Presley said, to watch a house plant. He's terrible. Wow. Um, and then the guy in Missouri through other statements, uh, which again, I follow closely because the college game and the governors are in charge of the public universities. So yeah. uh, for anyone the SEC is going to play, Missouri governor is important. Some of the comments he has made, like he does not understand it. Like he doesn't understand transmission rates and 
is you know and then deaths like hospitalizations like he doesn't understand it so yeah. that's why they get to have they get to have fans and then the other the other the other places do not it's because their governors are morons basically nobody yeah. fans I mean, albeit, albeit you're outside for most of the part, but if you're a fan, and we've all been to games where you're yelling at someone's face, you know, when it, when something happens, you're like, you know, you're screaming at someone or whatever. I mean, I'm like, you know, the mask is not the end-all protection. It doesn't, um, it mitigates, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, it minimalizes what happens, but it doesn't say, hey, nothing is being transmitted. So, yeah, I, barring barring the stats that we have, for the scientific community, there's no way I could attend the game willfully knowing that family and friends that I come into contact with because I want to go have a great time are at risk. And even myself, you know, being at risk. So it's something where um, if we didn't have football at all, I would be disappointed, but I wouldn't be like, oh, it's the end of the world. Because I understand why. I understand what's happening and I understand the, the end game here, you know. If we could just sit it out until January and then try to get the world back on tilt i get that too because it's been six months it's not it's not been two years that we're having this con- it's been six months 180 days just about so the thing is that you said if you didn't have football if you had to go without football but understand i do have to go without football because michigan's not playing and i'm not and i'm not <laughs> upset about it at all i think they're making the right decision because as much as i love michigan football last thing i want to do is have like something somebody accidentally killed Nico Collins's grandmother down in Georgia because I decided there needed to be football. Yeah. Well, 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 that's the thing. I, I look at it like, you know, um, I had a, we had a podcast episode a few weeks back where we talked about from an economic standpoint. Um, and we're talking about the NFL here, not, not, not the colleges Mm -hmm. for the NFL. It's like the stadium that's going to be closed. Um, the 30 of them are going to be closed. All the concession workers, security personnel, parking personnel, um, staffs, and all that kind of stuff that kind of run the place, they're not working. Those, so when, when these talking heads talk about, oh, you know what, um, the economy is bouncing back, and I'm like, tell, tell those folks who can't find something, or tell those folks who's, this, they have a vendor that did, you know, work for the stadium, and they can't honor that contract or whatever because they're not open. You know, so it does come down to economics. And I think that a lot of what's happening in society, like we're forcing stuff on other people to make the decision to say, well, you know what, you guys should open up and and have the stadium open or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure if 30 if 32 teams voted and only two of them. And again, you educated me on how the process works in those places that they were able to get those two places and not other teams saying, hey, you know what? If they're going to have fans, we're going to have fans. Now, albeit 16,000 people bringing money into Arrowhead that holds 76 k that's not a lot of money coming through that gate. So, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it was a windfall. Like, oh, my God, you know, we opened the gates and we got paid. It was like we're acting on a 22%, you know? Um, right. I mean, they, full get, capacity. they get the majority of the money from the TV contracts anyways. Yeah. And merchandising and all that. Um, the TV the TV networks are going to be starved for things to broadcast because we have live sports, but pretty soon we're not going to have any reality television. No. So yeah. they're going to need more stuff to air. So you can charge them more for more sports content if you want. You can also just tell all your players they're taking a uh, – there's a salary cut league-wide. 
0% for people making 250 and 20% for Patrick Mahomes. And we're getting the money back that way. And we're going to use it to pay the workers that we can't bring into the stadium because we can't have fans. What the, what the pandemic has shown it's, it's just highlighted the way our society takes advantage of the class of workers who work vending in the stadiums in the first place. Yes. And work Great point. stocking Great. shelves at Whole Foods and Great you know, Walmart. You know, we've always, and by we, I mean myself as well, um, uh, you know, our, our existence is built on really taking advantage of, the, of that class of people financially, um, uh, emotionally and in ways like that. And the pandemic has just laid it bare for us. For yeah. us to see. Think of, think of flu season when you're shopping during holiday season, holiday season, flu season, and there are three cashiers out at your favorite grocery store and you got to wait online for like an hour. Or worst of all, they're <laughs> there because if they call out, they're going to lose their job because they have no protection because again, yeah. our entire thing is meant to take advantage of it. Like really, and I know this is not football related, but it is kind of no, no, with how like is... with how like the NFL and the money situation. The Dow Jones right now is like twenty eight thousand, but people are afraid to call out of work if they're sick serving food in a restaurant. It should be twenty thousand, and those people should be able to call out. Yeah, and in the NFL, yeah. it should be the same way. Like maybe for the Chiefs, maybe uh, Hunt. I don't know what the new Hunt's name is, and Patrick Mahomes don't get to make quite as much money this year. But that way, everybody else who's supposed to be selling hot dogs is able to keep their paycheck this year. That's crazy and out of and out of out of the norm. But yeah, and and well, that's exactly. I guess the where I was going to end up with my point is that you know if I'm if I am a and, and again I'm not anyone listening. I'm not belittling your job at all. That's that's not what I'm here to do. If if I'm a vendor in that stadium, if I'm a um a a, a janitor or whatever, and I'm watching. These guys play their sport and get paid, and I am home because I, the stadium is not open. I'm going to feel a kind of way about that, or I'm going to feel like, well, no job, no insurance, no money coming in, and these guys are getting to still play their sport. You know, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a weird thing, and the conversation is not just football; it's everything that we're talking about around popular culture, sports. Yeah, it's kind of like a the backdrop but you make a good a good segue about how economics how the economics because i remember uh back in uh, might have been april or may when they were talking about how much money was lost on the final on the uh, final four that didn't happen and i was like wow these guys are really talking about the money that they lost on the final four and not that we have a raging pandemic where at that point we were like 50 almost 50,000 people dead and I'm like, this is insane to me that it's always the economics. It's always what these schools can bring in. But again, they're not paying the athletes that are going to play in these tournaments. They're not getting anything but to show up and say, well, hey, I have a college degree for you if you want it, but you got to play ball for us. You know, it, it's just kind of weird. But yeah, you're right. The, the frontline worker that we, and again, me included, that we expect to be somewhere, you know, when I go to a show and I and, and I need I need a valet person to park my car, I'm expecting this person to be there. But then I'm not treating them like what like well this job is important, you know? Right. And I mean individually, you and I do, and I work a service job. I mean pre-COVID and whatever yeah. comes back, um, uh, work in hotels. So you know I I but 
in my general existence, like I don't have to worry about finding childcare. I don't have to worry. Like I know I can call it if I, if I get sick, in fact, hotels encourage that. Thank goodness. Um, mm -hmm. But like things like schedules being done two weeks out, mandatory, like making sure overtime pay gets paid or like if it's, or like uh, ensuring 40 hour work weeks, you know, these sorts of things that really, as a society, we were like, well, we don't need to worry about those things because it's, you know, this particular class of people working these service jobs, you know, yeah. but now, now that we're like, oh, these people are essential. Yeah. Well, now they have all the leverage and we've now determined anybody who's currently doing a job has been deemed essential, which means the NFL players are essential, which means you better not boo them when they show up for a moment of unity yeah. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> like they're supposed to perform for you. Yeah. Maybe clap. Right? Because I don't think, or say I don't think NFL or just say essential. Nothing. I think they or could just, just be like, you know what, we don't want to play. Yeah. Well well, see, that's what that's what kind of happened with the NBA situation when before they got to the bubble. They were like, with all that's going on, like everyone's worrying about we starting the season. Like they're like, some people are like, man, I'm not, I'm not really with that. And then there was a player, I forgot his name. He uh he said if the if the king is hooping, we all are hooping. <laughs> and that was LeBron. <laughs> so, you know, it happened. But again, you know, I look at it as like like you said, you know, when when we don't have um and again, it's kind of going to segue to like how immigration works. Like I am, I'm a naturalized citizen. I came to this country from South America when I was uh, seven years old and lived in Canada for a bit and then came to the United States and became a citizen at, at 18 because I wanted to go to college and all that kind of stuff. And the thing about it is that there are so many people that come here to do menial labor, like that, that paycheck or whatever it is, is feeding a family either here in the States or feeding a family back in their home origin, uh, you know, cause it's, it's a living wage. And us as Americans, <laughs> air quotes, we, we kind of like live in this air of superiority like that. We're, that we're so entitled to things like, Oh, so, but you're right. The, the pandemic has brought a lot of things to light. It has made, it has made people who have lost really, good jobs who are now working not a great job it made them realize what they had like, holy shit i was on top now i am you know doing it i have a friend that went back to work and is working for starbucks now and was an executive but they have to bring in money they have to they have to sustain the lifestyle anyway and they're making not even close to what they made as a as an executive you know, but they're they're understanding, telling me, hey, man, you know, had a rough day. The the morning coffee crowd, everyone's yelling and everyone's trying to get somewhere. And I'm like, bro, he's like, I never thought I'd be on the other side of that counter. I was the guy yelling for my coffee, too. And I'm like, wow, you know, it, it just made me kind of think like, wow, this is crazy. But, um, you know, great point. Switching gears. What do you think about the Steve Nash hire? I mean, I was livid when I first heard about it. Um, I mean, just, I bet you were. And the thing is, too, is because of the pandemic, I'm I don't have to go to work, and I'm a night owl by nature. So I typically get woken up in the morning to the sound of Stephen A. Smith screaming about something yeah. on TV. Um, and so I have to get woken up with him 
screaming about Steve Nash getting hired. And it took me a second to like figure out why he was mad. Cause I was like, well, Steve Nash, yeah, he's a great player. I'm sure he's been, he's probably been an assistant coach, you know, like yeah, Howard thing, but he's probably been nothing. somewhere. And then I was like, Oh no, he hasn't. He hasn't done any, like, I'm sure like, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to knock Steve Nash. Cause it's probably a fine hire. Like he's probably deserving of the opportunity, but it is just so infuriating that Steve Nash can get, a head coaching job in the NBA with no coaching experience, but Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson will get booed for locking arms. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, oh I mean, so I mean, for me, I was a little late to the party about what happened with the Steve Nash thing because I I was studying for a class, taking a certification test, so I was I, I was like out of society for like two two days. So when I found out, and I just spoke to this on the podcast right before this one that I was on. It's <laughs> his presser kind of made it worse to me because he, you know, he highlighted why he probably got it or whatever. And I get it, but I think it's more of the relationships and the nepotism that happens um, because, you know, Derek Fisher got a job. He was never a coach, but I think he, he might've interned or he did something on the side, but to not have, to have zero, to have zero um, uh, credentials, towards other than being a player, which we all know that watch sports doesn't translate for you to become a head coach of something. And you're in a great market. You're the Brooklyn Nets in the New York market. Like that is insane. But again, if it doesn't go well, they can say, Hey, you know what? It was a bad hire, you know, whatever. But then all the deserving coaches with the great resumes, um, a la Pat Ewing and Alonzo Mourning, who had to wait forever to get a shout for something. This guy can walk into a head coaching job with a premier um, franchise and just get to take the reins. It's, I, I mean, I'm not infuriated. I'm just kind of like not even shocked at this point. I'm like, okay, this is all right, whatever, you know, because football it happens too. I, I spoke about Adam Gase, <laughs> beloved Jets, him being the ex runoff from the Dolphins, and he only did the season. That, that Peyton Manning threw 50 touchdowns, he's riding the coattails of that to get those two jobs. He's some quarterback whisperer, but then we have a quarterback that's not progressed in three years. Hey, so- to be fair, Jim Caldwell did the same thing. So <laughs> Peyton Manning is a uh, equal opportunity creator of overrated coaches. Yeah, but but here's the thing, though. I, I can equate that or, 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 or minimalize that to the fact that Adam Gaze, that happened 100 years ago right. where – where he could say, I'm the child star on Leave It the Beaver, and they're introducing you as the guy, hey, the guy from Leave It the Beaver, who hasn't been on since the fucking moon landing, but but he's claiming that as, as, as his claim to fame. And I'm like, Jesus, you know? I mean, Lovey Smith, God bless Lovey, went to a Super Bowl and lost and got fired. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Freddie Kitchens gets a job because because Baker Mayfield likes the guy. You know? And and I have, I have a... Uh, uh friend close acquaintance out in las vegas who played uh college ball for lovey smith at missouri um white guy incidentally who mm-hmm. swears by lovey smith and says that he would follow lovey smith to the gates of hell if lovey asked him to um, yeah and so you know unless something has really changed with lovey over time i don't think he got fired because his players didn't like him yeah 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 <laughs> you know, it was lost locker room. It, it, it seems like yeah there's so but the Bears have made a lot of really good decisions lately, so I don't think we should come down on them too hard. Um, they sure they fire Lovey Smith, 
and then they pass on Mahomes and Watson for White Mitch Trubisky's. But I'm sure there's like <laughs> no, I'm sure it's all fine. Oh no no Chicago. no, they had Chase Daniels who played, who played like two games and like cashed in twenty something million dollars. Who's now with the? Is he with the Saints? I don't even know where Chase Daniel is. Oh, now. Chase Daniel is with <laughs> the Roaring Fighting Detroit Lions. Oh my! Oh, that's right. Yep. that's right. That's right. Ah, oh, wow. And see, it goes back to what we're saying, man. It's like, who do you know? Who do you know? You know, this is, hey, I know that guy. I can vouch for him. That's that's a great guy. And get him in there. I have no problem if if I'm up for like a job and it's 100 people applying for this job. And I know that the number's 100. And I look at my resume and be like, hey, you know what? I'm qualified, but there's going to be somebody else more qualified than me, less qualified than me. And I have a friend in that office. I'm going to call them to say, hey, listen, I'm not asking for a favor to get the job. I'm asking for a favor to get me an audience to who I can talk to about getting this job. And I have no problem if, if someone can call in a market like that because we have certain certain um, players that have enough equity in the game that says, hey, you know what? Let me call in a friend and see if I can get this. But for the Steve Nash thing, it's not that they came out and said, we interviewed eight coaches. Tyron Lue and this guy and this guy and this and we picked this guy. I think that would have been worse. But for him to like just get the job, I'm like, well, what was the criteria? What was the what was the interview like? What did you have to show as a resume? Did you just walk in with the with the like a stat sheet and says, hey, I'm I'm this guy. I'm I'm this guy with these stats. So I think I should just get the range. It's even worse you know? than that because <laughs> the Nets, aside from being in Brooklyn, which is awesome for them. Yeah. They have Kyrie and KD. Who signed off on it, I heard. Right, which is which is fine. However, everybody knew that unless the Thunder made it to the finals or something, that Billy Donovan was going to come available. Yeah. And so you have you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So you're I mean you're and Karis Levert, go blue. So like you're pretty much set up. And you're going to hire an unproven coach out of nowhere, like yeah. It just, I mean, any anyone who's tried to spin it to me in the last couple of days, I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Like, just like you don't really, I don't know what you're telling me. Right. No. It also doesn't matter. Like you, you use the the example of like having a friend in the office and being able to call the friend and and whatever, which is fine. But there are not enough friends on the planet for Joe Judge to have. For him to get the Giants job over Eric Bieniemy, he could be friends with Jesus, and it wouldn't matter. Like Eric yeah. Bieniemy should have gotten that job over Joe Judge. It, it, it's it's just unreal how this. They, well, happened. it's it, it it's kind of masked in the in the uh, it's kind of masked as like well, Eric Bieniemy was prepping for the playoff run and the Super Bowl title, yeah, so that, we have to interview a coach yeah. right now. So we have to hire a guy right now when we're out of it. We're not even close to anything, but we need a head coach today. So, it, you know, and it's unfair to do that to somebody. I'm like, it's not his fault that he has success. But I'm like, I mean, okay, take take your coach, for instance, right? Allah, came, yeah, yeah. So Allah, he came from New England. Mm-hmm. But I would have taken Matt Patricia over Adam Gates in a fucking heartbeat because of the resume of the resume, whether whether he can coach the team or not, the, the resume speaks for him that he was a he was a part of this winning situation. He helped 
in some kind of way, you know. Now, when you come over, your personnel is different. You got to hire a different staff. He was one of the pieces, not the piece. So obviously, he had to build a team over, you know, with the with the Lions. I get that, but I would have taken him over Adam Gase in a fucking heartbeat, given resume for resume. So I guess my question to you is: d- Does it matter? Does it ever matter, or should it matter, if you know people and have a decent resume? Or you have a great resume and don't know anyone, and and you're getting on the job. Well, if we're talking about NFL head coaches, that's a not yeah, that's, that's, that's an unfair comparison because they all know everybody. Like everybody knows everybody, right? Yeah, but but then we get a lot of recycled guys. We get for for a period there in in the early two thousands, guys were just switching teams like well, switching conferences like crazy. I'm like it's the same fucking guy, but he's over here. But I use Lovey as an example. I'm like Lovey wanna oh I'm sorry. Went to a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Went to the Super Bowl, and whether the the team, the guys didn't like him or not, I'm like, listen, I'm pretty sure everyone knows like Bill Belichick. You know, Gronk Gronk painted a when, once Gronk was done playing. If you heard some of his interviews, he painted a very crazy picture in New England, and I had someone kind of confirm that that I that I worked with with who was an intern at. Like you know, for the Pats, and they were like, "Yeah, like on 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 game day, or I'm sorry, the day after a game when guys come back in, and they're highlighting what the mistakes were. They won the game, but they're like, yeah, this guy was off sides, and this guy's.' I'm like, wow, like like you guys, like you guys won. You know, if it's sloppy win, I get that, but if you won, it's like they're highlighting what was done wrong, why we could have had more points." That we have to kind of pull this one out because you guys made mistakes here and here and here. And I'm like, that is crazy to me. But again, I don't even know what the culture criteria is now other than knowing someone. So the thing about Matt Patricia <laughs> is that Matt Patricia is the reason why Tom Brady doesn't have two more Super Bowl wins under his belt. And <laughs> the Patriots now have the best defense in the league. Uh, and the Lions do not. So I feel like getting rid of Patricia was an upgrade for the Patriots. And bringing mm-hmm. him in was not a downgrade for the Lions because you can't really downgrade the Lions. Um, uh, I shouldn't say that. They could go 0-16 again. Being just perennially average is a lot better. But, mm-hmm. you know, Patricia, Gase, uh, Joe Judge, uh, Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland, um, you know, where they ran out what's-his-face, the guy that Todd Haley was going to beat up. Oh, uh, McAdoo? No, 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 no. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We'll add it in post. Anyways, that guy um, got uh, uh, got run out of town, and then they give the job to Freddie Kitchens. You know, there's only like 12 good coaches in the NFL, but I can't imagine there's only 12 good qualified NFL coaches. I, I actually think that if the NFL – said in order to get a head coaching job in the next 10 years, you either have to have won a Super Bowl already or you have to be black, the head coaches would be better by and large 10 years from now. Mm. I would I would go a step under under with that and say that um the criteria should be that you've made the playoffs at least in your tenure a minimum of three times. You know, some to that extent where you know, like we we see where 
the quarterback play was better because if, if you're a quarterback coach or if you're the defensive coordinator where the defense was ranked in the in the top 10 in the last three years, some to that extent. I mean, I don't know. That might be the criteria already. I don't know what is because, again, we've seen some ha- head-scratching head scratching, um, nods. We're like, wait a minute. Like, how did this guy get the job? You know? What was the uh, coach from the Atlanta Falcons when um, it was uh, Caldwell's kid, right? Was it Carlos Kid? Um, no, it was Morris Kid. It was Morris Kid. He was the coach of the of the Falcons when Vic got in trouble. Yes, Jim Moore Jr. Yeah, yeah, Jim Moore. So, you know, he. I wouldn't. I can't remember his his coaching being anything stellar. Um, but again, you know, he's like Shanahan. He's he's you know his dad coached in the league. He knows people, like you said. You know, phone calls could be made. But the last three Super Bowls that we've witnessed, it came down to coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't more of the, the plays on the field. It was the coaching adjustments and what happened. And you saw like a master, a mastermind versus a guy um, that just couldn't figure it out. You know, and then you saw games where uh, the Falcons and, and Pats where it was a runaway and that lead is blown. You know, like you, you got to be kidding me! Like, you know, so coaching, coaching does matter, and I, I believe the best person for the job gets the job. But again, it's such unfair. Is I mean, Eric enemy should have a job. Should have a Eric enemy should be on his second team by now. He should have already worn out his welcome with the Jets, and like <laughs> not his way to, to somewhere else. You know, the thing the thing about the NFL is that the NFL from the play on the field all the way up through the owners, nothing is really optimized and done as well as it could be. The only the only people who really are trying to do that are like Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, and I don't know, the owner of the Rams, maybe. Like mm-hmm. everybody like it's all just you know, honestly, the next time a coach runs the ball in second and ten, they should immediately be fired. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the, the Freddie Kitchens play? I don't, I don't, I don't care who it is. If you run the ball second to ten, a designed run play, you're fired. That's it. Like you know, and the same thing too. If you're the owner of a team and you hire Adam Gaze, you lose your team. Yeah. And, oh my God. Yeah. You know these things. Yeah. These things are not hard to see, right? The New York Giants are not going to win with Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones. These are all terrible decisions. Or by yeah. Saquon Barkley, second overall, even though he's wonderful. Like, yeah. The Chiefs just took this Edward Solaire kid in the last pick of the first round, and he'll finish within what two hundred total yards of Barkley on the year. in a row. Yeah. They yeah. Don't optimize anything. And I just feel yeah. like if you just were to force some optimization onto them by being like, you can't keep recycling these duds, you know, it would be, it would just be a lot, a lot better for the NFL in general. Yeah. I mean, you know, a uh, great point. Segwaying to, uh, I talked about this with Matt a little while ago. Um, so the Washington football team had hired their first black president Um and I had said to him that if I would, my first day on the job would be to evaluate the staff that I inherited and get rid of anyone that I don't want and get my own guys in. 
And he said, well, he may not have that kind of power. I said, well, if he's the president of the organization, he's going to live and die on what he what he inherits. You know what I'm saying? You got general managers who, who inherit coaches that they don't want, who inherit teams, um, sorry, personnel that they would have never drafted. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes down to um, like the Washington football team, for instance, you know, speaking on them, I think that they're going to have a rough time um, for a lot of reasons because of the, the Geist situation that was kind of like swept under the rug for multiple um apparently multiple or alleged uh, offenses that they kept this guy around. I'm like, if you're winning franchise or you're winning, whatever I get where you like, you, you overlook certain things, but then if you're a coach and, you know, speaking of coaches that get these jobs and talking about liking or not liking, if you're a coaches, I mean, I'm sorry, a player's coach or a coach's coach or whatever they call that shit. It's like you, you have to live and die by that. You hire people like, listen, we're going to hire a guy who's not going to be a drill sergeant. That's why when the Jacksonville Jaguars hired Jim Coughlin, they're like, this guy, you know, he's, you know, this guy's crazy. He's finding players for not showing up and all this, all, all this other shit. It's like you hire people that are, that are good enough to um, get your franchise some wins, but also kind of like set the tone of what, who, who would want to work there. 32 jobs coveted in the NFL. In the NFL and like you said, great point. 12 of them, a little, little under half, are, are good coaches. Right. Like, it's Belichick, John Harbaugh. Uh, I think the Rams guy is is pretty good. McVay. I think Kyle Shanahan is, is pretty good. Andy Reid, obviously. Peterson with the Eagles. Um, and then after that, like, oh, uh, Sean Payton's pretty good. Mike Tomlin. Actually, Mike Tomlin is not good anymore. The game has quickly passed him by, but he at least was. I think I, I think it's the Big Ben thing has to end. Um, it's it's just, you know, uh like that's that that duo is 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 old. It's not just him, it's it's the Big Ben thing too. Yes, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin should be the coach of the Jets next year. Yeah. Like that's how that's how that should should work out, and then they'll be good. And maybe yeah, maybe the game will catch back up to him, but he doesn't have to worry about trying to manage Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so so. Speaking of that, because we're gonna we're gonna end pretty soon. So speaking of that, for our first show, because I I want to talk you into having a show, bro. Um, <laughs> I'm flattered. So any any coaches you think immediately on the hot seat? I know I know we're week one in, but anyone from last season that that if they don't have a great season this season, uh, looking to get rid of these coaches. I would think that there's only one coach that is on the hot seat for sure. Who's that? That's the coach at Jacksonville, Doug Marone. Doug Marone, yeah, he's 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 overdue. Well, now he's that, they're they're going to lose on purpose. Like they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence and I, for Trevor Lawrence, and I think oh, what they want to—they don't think Minshew is going to do it. I—I I mean, even if he does, Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the top quarterback prospects ever. You trade Minshew for yeah. a first, right? Yeah. Um, I think they want Trevor Lawrence, and I think they want Dabo. I think they want Dabo Sweeney to come with Clemson too, or come with mm. Clemson as well, and bring them both in. Okay. I think every other coach will be able to point to COVID as a reason for why they shouldn't be fired unless the wheels completely fall off the way that they shouldn't. And I hate saying that because I want Matt Patricia fired almost as much as I want a vaccine for this disease. 
Wow. Yeah. I well, I want Gase out. I I wanted Gase out the minute we got him. So right. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled. Um, I think um the Chargers coach and the Colts coach. So I think Frank Reich is going to be fine in Indianapolis. I I think he can actually coach quite a bit too. Um, but getting but getting an aging quarterback when they could have developed um Brissett, I think getting Philip Rivers is like what, like we saw what Philip Rivers. Rivers was his entire career. He's the guy that's just like good enough, but not quite there. And he's had some teams around him. Right. I think I but he just can't get over the hump. Philip Rivers played at the same time as Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So what's left over? Right. Yeah. Right. That's why Drew Brees only has one. Aaron Rodgers only has one. You know, I don't I don't really hold that hold that against them. Um and, and also I think the Colts are very likely I, I think they have a good chance to win that division. I think the Titans you could see a lot of regression. I mean Ryan yeah. Tannehill could actually just start to be Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, and not what he was last year, which was amazing. The Colts have a great defense. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. They drafted Jonathan Taylor and Philip Rivers is not awful. I mean the Texans aren't going to win that division. We just talked on the we just spoke about the Jags. I don't see yeah. reason the Colts can't win that division. And in that case, co- coach isn't going anywhere. Mm. Who's coaching the uh, Panthers? That'd be Matt Rule, who came from Baylor, who is a very, very good football coach, at least at the college level. Um, mm-hmm. But he took over Temple when Temple was just an absolute disaster. Had Robbie Anderson at Temple. Did a great job there. Beat Notre Dame. Then he goes to Baylor after they had their, um, you know, they were just – turned into a smoldering crater after their coach protected like the entire team community. Yeah. Assault. Um, yeah. He took them over. They were one 11. He left. They were, you know, three plays from beating Oklahoma to go to the playoff. Like he just, he's just a good football coach. And so I think okay. the Panthers, uh, yeah, they're in a tough spot with the teams that are in their division, but yeah. that will be, he'll be just, just fine there. He'll be in that list of good coaches in not too long. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and and I hate to sound like this in front of the audience, like I want someone to lose it because I, I know if a coach gets fired, it's not just Adam Gase; it's in his entire regime goes with him, and that's families and that's a lot of people that that lose their jobs. I get it, but again, you got to be a great coach. The, the job is to do a good job. But listen, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like Trump talking about fallen soldiers, but these coaches do kind of know what the deal is. Yeah, yeah, of you course. Know, yeah, you sign on for you know, you know, relocation and getting yes. everything up and running, and then yes. it's you know, it's over like that. Right. It's a it's a disruptive industry to be in, um, because even then, because if you do a good job, you're looking to get a promotion somewhere else. Yeah. So you're looking to be moving around, moving around. That's anyways. true. That that is true. That is true. Wow. That's yeah. That's a good. That's a, I, I I can dig that point. That's a good point. So so we did a hot seat or, uh, and who. Any any early picks for playoffs? I know Super Bowl. I hate doing Super Bowl picks beginning of the season, but any any um anyone that you see playoff push that's not not a lock, but we're gonna definitely see in the playoffs so, given the schedule. So there are a couple that really jump out. Uh, the first is the Steelers. Okay. I think the Steelers are a lock for the for the playoffs. Uh, the Bengals are not good. Um, Oh, they should be they should be exciting this year. They're gonna be the most exciting two and fourteen team we've ever seen. Um <laughs> the Browns are not as bad as they were, but they're not as good as we ever thought. Uh and the Ravens are the Ravens. The Ravens are great. 
but with that added playoff spot in Roethlisberger coming back, I really think the Steelers are a lock for one of those playoff spots in the AFC. Okay. Like I don't think the South gets another gets another one. The AFC East, the Jets and the Dolphins are not competing for the playoffs, and the Bills and the Dolphins might both be slightly average, like nine and seven, mm. which opens up the door for the AFC North second place, which should be Pittsburgh. So I think they're in the playoffs for sure, even though they were terrible last year. And then looking at the NFC, I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, and I would not be shocked if they won that division. Mm, okay. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yep. I think that uh um I think that there is a decent chance that Kyler Murray will be the MVP this season. And obviously that requires a lot of wins. And I think that they could they could do it. I mean, it's such a tough division. The they could win that division at ten and six because the division cannibalizes itself. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think that they're a team that nobody's going to want to play in the playoffs, and I think they could just win that division outright. Wow. What do you think um, of the aging of the aging guard, uh, Rivers, Brady, or Breeze? Who has the better season? Breeze is going to have the best season out of all of them because he gets to throw the Michael Thomas, and the other ones do not. Brady does get Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin, but Brady isn't the type of quarterback really ever to make Mike Evans good. Maybe that year he had Randy Moss. And I think there's a real chance that Tom Brady is just dusted. Yeah. I I think, um, I think we're going to see an average or a, you know, and again, it's, it's just going to chalk down to, well, the guys, you know, he's had a great run and, you know, the game retired him basically. Um, I don't see him jumping off the charts, doing anything really spectacular. I think he's the worst quarterback in that division. Yeah, I see. I wasn't going to say the worst, but I I don't see him being in the top, uh, you know, thing. Unless unless I'm wrong. Unless I'm well, wrong, he's not again. He's not better than Drew Brees. He's not better than Matt Ryan in 2020, and I don't think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater in 2020. Mm. So you know, I think I think the Bucks are actually in trouble. It reminds me a lot of that year when the Washington Football Team signed. They signed like Deion Sanders, Bruce Smith. <laughs> um, and like three other, I think they signed Charles Haley. I can't remember, but they signed, they signed like all the top free agents and like six Hall of Famers, and then went five and eleven. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, chemistry is a thing, but also you got. I mean, if you got a good foundation, don't bring in. See, I would have never at the Colts. I would have never brought in Philip Rivers. I would have never did that when I could develop Brissett. You know, and obviously I'm not saying percent is better than Rivers, but we've seen Rivers for 16, 17 years already. We know who this guy is already. I think that the Colts think that they can win the Super Bowl this year, and I think that they're right, and I think that their window is extremely narrow. And so, because they can't afford to pay everybody on defense, they're going to lose T.Y. Hilton, or he's just going to age out one way or the other. So I think if you're the Colts being like, okay, we have to win in 2020 or 2021, what's the best way to do that? And I think Rivers is better than Brissett for that. But I don't yeah. think that like I mean, I mean a veteran, yes. I don't think that they're from like, a veteran, yes. I don't think they're right or wrong in either scenario. Like I think they're in a middling situation with a window that's not that great, as opposed to Dallas, whose window is wide open. I'm gonna crack up when they just cannot push through it. Yeah. The uh so we're gonna end on this note. Um so obviously we've seen Mahomes get paid and then we've seen Watson get paid. How does that fare for Dax? 
Uh, the Mahomes thing, I don't think mattered for Dak all that much. His contract was really was really a bit different. But four years at 39 mil each for Deshaun Watson means that Dak is going to want more than that for that same length. I mean, they've really been arguing about the year. It's been, you know, 36, 37 million agreed on, but the Cowboys want three years and Dak wants four years. And this is going to flip, like, the because they're going to do great. The Cowboys are going to be 12 and four. You know, they very well could win the Super Bowl and it's not going to be a shock at all. And if that happens, he's going to want, he might come and ask for 50. Can Jones ever tell him no? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, the thing about the thing about the Dak situation that they get to me is the leverage. Who are you gonna get? You got Dak in the building. You don't want to let this guy walk walk out because some other team is gonna pay him if he goes any anywhere else that needs a quarterback. They're gonna he's gonna get paid. And who else you got on the roster that's gonna say, okay, well, Dak's not gonna play. Well, we we can ride this. I mean, you remember when the when Emmett sat out, they went <laughs> they went zero and two, and Jerry's like, all right, enough of this. Pay the guy. <laughs> and then they won the Super Bowl that year. Right. You know, it's it's just like, what do you, you know, Jerry's not getting any younger. So obviously he wants to win now. But I think that barring the Mahomes, which is out of this world contract, because that's he's a different talent. Like, if you're gonna pay Wentz and you're gonna pay golf um the kind of money that they got, you know, and Dak's I'm sorry, Dak had two seasons where he pretty much played good enough to get the teams there, whatever. Um, he should be paid by now. The fact that we're going into another year where this guy hasn't had, where talks have stalled, it's kind of like what is going on over in Dallas. And that goes back to the to nobody doing things optimally, and that includes Jerry Jones. He should have just signed Dak Prescott for thirty seven million a year, a year and called it and had him locked in. Now yeah. he's going to have to. I mean, his choices are win a Super Bowl and pay Dak Prescott forty seven million dollars a year. <laughs> and paid Dak Prescott forty two million dollars a year. Yeah, you know, take the yeah, take the ladder, right? I, you know, so again, people just not doing things in an optimized way at all hurts. And if I, I just wish I had like three billion dollars so I could buy a team. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I just don't get how. Um, and again, I, I hate in, you know, interjecting. Um, I'm sorry, in, injecting race and all that stuff into into the conversation i just see it where the talking heads are like well he has to he has to play i'm like how many how many fucking years did kirk cousin play and get paid by he got franchised by washington then he goes to minnesota on a fucking great deal i'm like how does this even work but anyone else has to defend oh i have to play one more year and get us here or what i'm like bro i've done that twice already Right, you know, and Sean Watson hasn't done it. <laughs> right, and 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 got got embarrassed last year, and well, and last night, you know, because he he threw a, a pick, he threw a pick, and I'm like, who is he throwing to? Oh, he just threw I it just up. Re- okay, wait, this is it. I just know what's going to happen this year. Finally, they're finally going to just fire Bill O'Brien, and they're going to just back into Eric Bieniemy and put him with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. I said. I, I kind of thought that and suggested that, but then I was like, I don't know how crazy that sounds out loud. But hearing a, a good football guy say that, I I can buy that. Oh, that's gonna be so mad. I don't have any Texans. <laughs> I just they don't deserve it for keeping Bill O'Brien around for so long and making a GM. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's a he's a GM as well. Right. He's you know, which is crazy to me because I'm like, wow, like you know, you guys really 
are operating without a GM with a guy that's like questionable at head coaching. Okay. It's awesome. It's awesome. So I'm assuming that he's negotiating guys deals and all of that. So he, he, I, I wonder what his part was in paying Watson, you know, what did that come out to? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was huge. Wow. Have you heard, have you heard about Mike Tyson's legends league? I have, and I am not at all interested. <laughs> you don't want to see Jerry Rice out there running the uh, the old Z pattern? No, I um, <laughs> I I like sports because I like watching athletes do things that are just completely out of this world, and I like college sports because I like the tribalism and all of that. I don't, you know, the day Barry Sanders retired is one of the three worst days of my life. Uh, it's an exaggeration, but it's top 25. And yeah, um, but I don't want to see Barry play football ever again, and I don't want to see Barry Rice <laughs> play ever again. And I don't want to, I just don't want to see one of these guys get hurt really bad. I don't want to see you know? Tom Brady play ever again, if I'm being honest. You know, <laughs> no, so, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like that situation is a little different because I'm like, what are you playing for? Unless you love the sport that much, I mean, um. A lot of guys have stepped out for lesser. I mean, Andrew Luck, it's a far foregone conclusion, right? Where he talked about the injuries that he sustained and the hits and the way he played. You know, I can see where a guy can bow out and it's fine. But I'm like, to, to play this long, what do you if Tom Brady's playing with the Bucks to win a Super Bowl, I get it. But then if he's just playing to play another year, why would you do that? Why would you play with the Bucks for another year? You know what I'm saying? For, to extend your career for what? Because his entire identity is tied into being a quarterback in the NFL, and he knows the second he retires, he's got nothing to offer to anybody. Because nobody cares what he has no. to say. He doesn't have good opinions. He doesn't have good business sense. Nobody cares yeah, he's about Trump. He's, he's one of Trump's guys. He's one of Trump's guys. Right. He backs horrible candidates. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he's not after being like after besides being a quarterback, all he has is being handsome and having a wife who's far more successful than he is. And so he's gonna be a quarterback for as long as possible because after he literally has nothing. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Oh boy. Hey man, this has been a this has been a great show. Um, I, I just wanted to see our our chemistry, so I'm gonna send you a copy of this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna upload this one. Okay. To kind of you know let you you know see how you how you felt you know because I, I I thought you were comfortable talking. I you know I asked you some some really good questions. I so what I did was unknowingly to you, I centered around sports, but kind of had it where everything kind of encompasses getting back to there from economics mm -hmm. from that. And that's how I think that we should do like a show once a week or once every other, whatever is like a recap of like the games. You know, there was no recap other than last night. So we have to just kind of fill in the conversation with other shit. But, you know, I wanted to ask questions like that. Hey, you know, what coach is on the hot seat? Uh, we can go over like plays in a, in a major game. Like, Hey, would you have called a, what a, a script kick on this play or this change the outcome of that game it's like a sports talk show yeah you know um and you know like i said you know we can have opinions about what happens around sports um which is fine but again i want you to think about after you hear the show i want you to think about how you would do a, a show like for us because i would just send everything you know i would i would be the one setting up the studio and then we talk and then i edit and then you know upload it so all you got to do is basically have your content on what you want to talk about or 
you know, but it's, you know, come up with a, 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 a cool name and then we, we launch, we launch and it, it goes on the podcast and it goes up the, the 10 um, chain or whatever. Cause I do one with Matt called the deep. We talk about this like really deep shit. And then he has a, uh, he has a podcast called soulfully, soulfully casual, which is like a sneaker. Cause he's, he's like a sneaker head. And then I have the manual of course, but um, I'm, I'm looking for a good sports platform that we can have guests from time to time, or we just shoot the shit with somebody about what's going on. But I love the fact that you were able to articulate about the economics of it and, you know, how you felt about what we're seeing. Um, and you made a really, really good point about the, the beginning of the game. It's like, we were so enthralled with what happened in that little couple of minutes. It kind of took off that, Oh, we're actually watching a football game. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like it's football out, you know, it's, it's football going on. So I just want Sunday is going to be like my, my real eye test because I have the red zone channel, but I haven't activated it yet because I want to make sure that I'm not activating it to watch crap. And I'm like, this is not working for me. <laughs> I know that they're going to do their best to kind of make it fun, but I just, I don't know if, I, if, if, if it's going to be, if, if, if it's going to be political every game, I'm, it's going to get, it's going to get hard to watch. Uh, also, if we're going to have a show about it, you got to watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm gonna engage. I'm gonna engage it. Like I said, that's that, that's why I said Sunday's gonna be eye test to say, hey, you know what? You want to go ahead with this thing? Can we do this? Or you think it's just like, oh, this this season? Well, it, it's gonna make for interesting topics anyway, because we'll we'll be able to talk about what we what we saw, you know? Yeah. No. No. I think I think so. I think we could. I think we could do that. And I am uh, uh if you liked what you heard and whatever, I am I am prepped for a actual like season preview sort of thing team by team preview if you did want to put something like up on the manual about it or whatever yeah 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 um because because that's what we do for each other me and uh, me and matt on the deep we promote each other's podcast and we promote the deep and i already have a fan base that i i uploaded to and then it just goes to everybody but um a lot of my a lot of my um people from the manual have been asking for more sports content but the sports that I like, like boxing, I could talk boxing for hours. Football, I could talk football only with football people. Because if someone doesn't really know, I, I'm, not, I'm not the best football guy, but I know enough. Yeah. And I know about storylines and, you know, things that I wouldn't want to see done and how my team furiates me every fucking Sunday. You know, when everyone else is enjoying a victory, we're like, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, fucking Adam Gase, man. You know, I know it's not just him, but I, I know, like, I just want to be in that conversation with everyone else. Like, every, everyone else is enjoying a winning season. I'm, I'm like, can we get 10 games? Can we win 10 games? I love Rex Ryan as a coach. I loved him. But the the Jets fandom turned on him after the butt fumble and all that shit. So. Well, yeah. And like I said, if, if you if you want, we can do the, the season preview one and put it on the manual to get them some sports stuff and then – your manual people can respond and be like, that got you. Or it was okay All or right. whatever. All right. So, so that's what I'll do. Cause my schedule is pretty like, I, I, like I work from home basically. I don't, I'm not back at the gym yet. Um, n- not going back for a while, <laughs> I guess until this thing's kind of sorted out. Don't feel protected. Um, but, um, so I have, I have time on my schedule. Um, you know, like if it's like, I'm off on Fridays completely. Like I don't, yeah. I don't work on Fridays. So Fridays, but if if a game if if the game happens Sunday, we can do like a Wednesday show or whatever, 
recap or Tuesday night because obviously we got to get the Sunday night game and then, and then Monday night game. Yeah. So doing like a Tuesday or Wednesday show would cover that week. And then we don't record again until like the next week or whatever. So like we're not, you know, we're not starving for content. Yeah. Uh, we, t- we take notes and we try to condense it to, to that. And then I think every week we're going to ask questions like, Hey, you know, any, any hot seat or, you know, players that you, that you want to see that should be benched or whatever, you know, like to make the, make it more sports related than, than pop culture. So, yeah. So I'm going to send this to you. I'm going to let you peruse it, see how you feel about how you sound. I, I thought, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to do it, then we'll do the show from the manual on next week after Sunday. And then I'll, you know, we'll preview like, Hey, this is, you know, the other host of whatever show, whatever you want to call it. I'll pick two names. You pick two names and then we'll come up with a name. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, like I said, if you want to do a season preview one, we should do it before Sunday, but we can do one after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to do a season preview, we could do it tomorrow. Um, tomorrow Saturday, right? Yeah, tomorrow. Um, I'm only working from like, like uh seven to twelve to one, and then I'm free the rest of the day. Okay. So, so just let me know. Um, we can do like a half an hour, half an hour show, just kind of like going over our picks or whatever. Um, stuff like that. Um, I know, I know that you're a, you know, you're a guy that plays FanDuel, so you know. No, I play. You gotta, I play. I play DraftKings. I like DraftKings. DraftKings. Like yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the, yeah, I'm the FanDuel guy. Yeah. So you know, people um always preface, hey, I'm not telling you what to pick, but <laughs> you know, we're talking picks. So if someone's playing that, if if someone's playing that, then maybe they, you know, whatever they listen to the picks or whatever, but. Yeah. You know, all right. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks for, thanks for your time today, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. Yep. Peace. Bye.